Welcome to the Go Vita podcast, where your vitality is our passion. It's time to supercharge your health and wellness to take the next step on being the best version of you. Let's get underway. Hello and welcome to the Go Vita podcast, the show dedicated to bringing you the latest and greatest wellness advice so that you can enjoy the health and vitality that you deserve. Marcus Pierce here with you, CEO of the Wellness Couch Podcast Network and today we are speaking about all things gut health. Our very special guest has been a true pioneer in the health and wellness landscape across Australia and the Western world. Paul Keogh established Fusion Health in 1999 with a range of products developed over the preceding 15 years incorporating over 2,000 years of traditional Eastern and Western herbs herbal wisdom to help improve the health of Australians and the world at large. Paul, a very sincere welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Marcus. Pleasure to be here. Now, Paul, you have a fascinating story, uh, one that we could pretty much dedicate the entire episode to. But more than that, you have learned an incredible amount about the body and herbal medicine on both the east and west side of the coin. So for today, I would love to drill into your knowledge sphere, into your brain and discuss three key topics uh, with you that are front of mind for many people today. Those are indigestion, number one. And number two, I'd love to chat about the discussion around balancing uh, good bacteria in the body. And then thirdly, I'd love to chat about children's gut health because that seems to be a maze these days. But if we start with indigestion, um, you know, from what I can see, there's a lot of research out there particularly showing that about one in five of us suffer from indigestion of some kind, uh, technically known as functional dyspepsia for a nice word. in your wisdom, what are the main symptoms of indigestion, uh, particularly for our listeners, so they know what to look out sure, for? Sure. Um, well, of course, you, you can get burning pain, but mainly discomfort is the is the real indicator in the stomach region. Uh, people do suffer reflux, although there's now discussions around how to differentiate that and how to uh, medically define it. Um, but it depends on the foods you eat, the content of your stomach at the time, whether you're experiencing regurgitation, and there's some really interesting energetic principles that guide us to better understand that. You've got burping and bloating and flatulence and nausea, the full spectrum really, feeling uncomfortable and fullness after meals, um, early satiety, which you know is a medical term for becoming full easily, for example, after only consuming a very small amount of food, um, or to the extent that you're unable to eat a normal-sized meal. So it would be, you know, as you say that, I think of so many people I know that would, would fit into that list. And I'm sure we'd all agree that at some point in our life, whether it was just a good night out with friends, that we felt one of those things. I, you know, I think the in- interesting thing is that from a scientific perspective, they're not clear on what those things are. When you group them together, every individual is a little different, which is why they call it functional dyspepsia. Yeah. And, but we do know there are a number of eating habits. And like you mentioned before, the way you consume alcohol, if you eat too quickly, if you're consuming large amounts of fatty food, yeah. a lot of caffeine. People drink way too much caffeine with their meals. I yeah. think that's a big problem. And keeping in mind that caffeine is an inhibitor of some of the digestive processes, these sorts of bits of information can help people improve the comfort they experience around eating. Now, just a quick one, completely off topic, but I'm very curious. Caffeine, mm. best to be consumed after the meal? Generally, best it can be consumed after the meal or between meals. Yes. But not with the meal. And not before the meal. Yeah, so because a lot of people wake up and the first thing is, I've got to have my coffee. Yeah. It's like, make up or coffee. Yeah. You know? And then yeah. and then try and sit down and eat a meal. But what meal do they sit down and eat? Yeah. Generally some quick, fast food. Because yeah. caffeine makes you feel like that. 
because caffeine suppresses your appetite, stimulates your nervous system, gets you ready to race through your day, but you forget about the fundamentals of providing the correct levels of nourishment to, to the fuel you need. I almost can say we can end the podcast now and if you only get one thing out of this, <laughs> just have your caffeine yeah. after food. Intelligently, right? Um, all right, so you've mentioned a lot of the, the ways that uh, indigestion can happen and the symptoms. I'd love your insight on, on the herbal side of things. So let's look at the herbs that are traditionally used to help here. And again, you're so well-versed in Western herbal medicine and traditional Chinese medicine. Uh, we can ask you for both sides of the coin. Sure. So let's have a look at the West. Can you share with us the best Western herbs that we can have a look at for indigestion? The best and probably the longest standing in terms of evidence and empirical data is German chamomile. I mean, it's so well known for relieving dyspepsia, flatulence, bloating, burping. It's traditionally recognized as a carminative herb, which means that it has these beautiful antispasmodic effects on the gastrointestinal tract. They can support normal healthy function. And this is what the difference between just taking a symptom suppressant and taking something that supports normal function. So herbs like German chamomile, globe artichoke is another one, and that tends uh, to be uh, taken for the promotion of uh, the relief of discomfort around digestion because it helps the liver uh, secrete bile more effectively or produce bile and secrete bile more effectively, which is really important in fat digestion. Um, it also helps in aiding detoxification through the natural um, emulsification that bile has with certain substances in our food that may not be ideal to absorb. So they get some binding effects on the, on the bile salts. They can act as binding agents. Um, you also can get rid of some, uh, it helps get rid of unwanted substance from the body, regulates the bowel. And, and, and you know, for, for most people who are experiencing discomfort around eating, there is good scientific evidence around its capacity to relieve a spectrum of digestive symptoms from mouth to anus. Yeah, wow. From go yeah. to and, and what I love about it as well is that they're quite simple. I mean, we now are very familiar with chamomile, I think, yeah. as you know, in the Absolutely. health world today. Um, and as you say, global artichoke, we're not talking about things that you cannot find anywhere. You know, no, it's, that's the no, thing. really that's, available. Yeah. And good quality too. And these things need to be fragrant. People should look for fragrant herbs. Because digestive herbs need the aromatics to help with um, soothing and easing some of the spasm. And those aromatics have beautiful effects on stimulating digestive secretions, which are important for digestion. Fascinating. Um, all right, what about the East? I'm really fascinated by this because I'm so in the West. I'm fascinated by what I don't know. Let's talk about the East. Okay. Um, where do we sit here? So there's a beautiful overlay of the, of the dynamic mapping of Eastern herbal medicine. And Eastern... Um, physiology, really, the way they perceive organ meridian function. Mm. From a traditional Chinese medicine perspective, the digestive system is governed not only by the stomach. You know, we think of the stomach as the primary organ of digestion. And in the West, we understand the liver plays a part. But in the East, they understand the spleen is an important organ from an energetic perspective. So the meridian system governs some important functions around transforming and transporting the, the beneficial components of food from an energetic perspective. Um, in, in the transformative aspects of the process, consumed food is, of course, reduced by the stomach into components that are nutritional and waste. But from a TCM perspective, there is an energetic component to all food and also the nutrients have carry their own chi. Wow. Do you see? Yeah. So it's this chi. If you don't separate the chi 
from the nutrients and from the food components and you don't assimilate the qi from your food properly, you will start to suffer digestive problems. I was going to say, it just sounds like it's all, it just blocks, everything's blocked, and we say, totally. oh, I feel blocked. It's not just nutrients, and this is the misconception in the West, that it's really just all about getting the, the, the goodness out of your food from a nutritional perspective. In the East, I understand there is a counterpoint, which is an energetic perspective. It's the qi, and extracting quality qi efficiently from your food is important and the spleen plays that role. We don't understand that from a Western scientific perspective. But when those organs are not functioning correctly or well or in sync, let's say, you won't be able to extract sufficient qi from your food. As a result of insufficient qi being extracted, the normal flow or circulatory dynamics of qi around the body starts to break down. And it will break down first at the level of the spleen. If the spleen is unable to extract it for, for various number of reasons we, we won't go into today, then you start to get this stagnant, stagnation of the chi. And with stagnation of the chi, you get stagnation of the food because the chi is important for normal stomach function. The chi is important for normal liver function. The chi is important for, uh, to be transformed and, and transported through the body for normal support to the dynamic um, processes in the body. In fact, cheese is perceived as being um, a, a, a substance that that animates the body. Do you know people that have poor digestion lack animation? Oh, you make me think. Oh, we need to do an episode on the kidney and on the liver we and can. All, you know, sort of. Let's do. Just, let's do that. As you said, it's absolutely fascinating, and I feel like as someone that has been almost indoctrinated in the West, just to hear you talk, it's just beautiful to to listen to. Almost like the body is an art form. Yeah. rather than just a set of mechanical structures. You know. But they overlap. Yeah. Do you know the art, the art and the imagery and the poetic beauty of the t- traditional Chinese medicine principles and understanding of the way organs interact and their relationship to each other and the sort of herbs that you need to take to support those organ meridian systems can be understood from a pharmacological perspective, but they can also be understood without any contradiction from an energetic perspective. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. So what about the herbs themselves? Can you talk about the traditional Chinese um, medical herbs that we would associate that would help with sure, indigestion? Sure. sure. And, and this is the interesting thing, that once you start looking at the way the herbs are going to work, you need to understand what happens to the qi. When you get that stagnation occurring, you not only got new, you know sluggish digestion, which is the way we see it in the West, but you've got this notion of qi building up in the, in the meridian system and the spleen and the stomach are a partnership. And if the chi builds up, where does it go? Where does it? I mean, symptomatically, we can explain it. We get bloating. It's like air in our digestive system. Or we get reflux and regurgitation, which is this rebellious chi is, un, is not going into the body but rather coming back up again. So you choose herbs that help direct the rebellious chi, that help to re-govern yeah. The way chi oh, is being extracted. Yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> the bad guy. The bad guy. <laughs> Let's pull him back into line. <clears throat> so herbs like um, Chinese yam to tonify the stomach and the spleen because it can be deficiency in that organ system. Um, and that deficiency can be associated with symptoms like diarrhea and loss of appetite. You've got black attractylodes, which is a beautiful spleen regulating herb for where the chi is stagnant. It will help move the chi, resolve that that rebellious chi, promote a a proper um, separation of the energetic value of the food from the nutritional and, and, uh, and waste components, and then move that down the digestive process. So from the stomach 
to the small intestine, from the small intestine to the large intestine. If, it, if each stage of processing is, is properly and thoroughly undertaken, then the body has, at the end, nothing but waste. If the body has nutrients going into the second or third phases that shouldn't be in the second or third phases, you're going to start to disrupt the normal processes. And this feeds back into the organ meridian system. So this is something that citrus peel can help with, for example, to reduce some of the the dampness that occurs as a result of the qi just sitting stagnant. And and one of the others that we love, or a few of the others that we love, uh, Chinese licorice, which is a harmonizing herb for improving the spleen-stomach relationship. And you've got Coptus and Avodia, which are really important in regulating the, the potential for qi to move back up into the system. So we use those herbs, Coptus and Evodia, in my practice, I used to use them extensively for the symptoms of reflux and heartburn and that really high uh, abdominal discomfort. Oh, it's fantastic. Listeners, I hope you're writing this down or just save this episode because there's one two three four five six seven that you've just actually mentioned and i think for as as we've said so many people have challenges with indigestion um there's a really nice thorough list all right so that's topic one indigestion let's talk about the balance of bacteria um it's really becoming part of the vernacular and the conversation in the health and wellness world um i think most people could safely assume that when your gut bacteria are in good working order um then you've got the, the key functions of your body actually happening yeah. Well, um, you know, digestive function, immune uh, health, and so on. But when your bacteria is out of balance, what would be the signs that yeah. it's not quite right? Yeah. So, just as we've set the stage for a healthy digestive function <clears throat> with herbs and Chinese medicine principles, I think you can also frame what is the consequence of unhealthy function. And unhealthy function is when we see those food components going into the wrong phases of digestion and not being processed effectively. We can't assume that every digestive complaint is due to uh, a micro uh, a microflora imbalance or a microbiota imbalance. But there's a lot of that about, you know. There's a very fine balance. So the symptoms you'd be looking for are flatulence, bloating, abdominal pain and discomfort, constipation or irregular bowel movements, because it's important to support healthy transit time. It's not just the phasing of digestion, but it's the time it takes. If it takes too long, then you're keeping components that should be in the stage of digestion they're in longer than they should be. So question without notice, ideal transit times for people. Some people go, oh, don't talk about this, but let's just talk about it. Ideal transit times for people, because really it's not that different for 7.7 billion people, is it? Uh, No, not really. 12 to 36 hours is fine. And we're all a little bit different. So for some people, it's 12. For some people, it's 18, 24. Up to 36. But it's when it gets to 36, you're starting to go, "Mm, it's a bit sluggish, you know. That's when we need to look at how to improve the and synchronize the digestive processes such that the sluggishness is relieved. And you don't do that by taking a laxative, you know, necessarily. You don't just stimulate transit time. That's just like, it could be like flogging a dead horse. What if there's deficiency in the system? And this is where the naturopaths in store that can help who understand the energetics of health, not just the physiology and the biochemistry, understand the herbs not just from a purely pharmacological perspective, but how they can influence the interaction and the harmony between organ systems, you know. But probiotics are important, you know. They do take, they do play a very important role in helping to maintain a healthy balance of the GI flora. 
Yeah, and this is where, again, probiotics have become a really key part of, I think, anyone's um, health and wellness regime. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's have a talk about probiotics. Um, from what I can tell, there are just you know, so many probiotics on yeah. the shelf. It's a really, it's a difficult world for the consumer these days. So uh, for, when I look, I go, well, okay, all probiotics aren't created equal. Uh, that's clear when I go into any health food store, when I go to my, my local Govita. Can you provide some clarity on exactly what to look for in a good probiotic? Sure. Look, I think for general health maintenance, a healthy gut microbiota, uh, microbiotic product would contain a wide variety of probiotic organisms. So you get a broad spectrum, <clears throat> you know, somewhere between 8 and 14 is, is quite ideal because we've got many, many more strains in our gut but they're the ones that tend to trigger off the correct environmental factors or at least generate the correct environmental factors for all those other ones to thrive. Mm. So we've selected through research and development correct strains that are human-tested so we know they survive through the digestive process. We know they colonise. Some do. Some are meant to actually pass through pretty quickly. Mm. They're called transient symbiotes. So they're symbiotics but they're just transient. They just pass through. They create the right pH. They create the right influence on the bad bugs to to keep them at bay. And then you've got the ones that will set up home and inoculate the gut. So a broad spectrum pretty well guarantees that. But you really want to look at the lactobacillus and the bifidobacterium strains as the primary strains for helping restore healthy GI flora. So let's discuss Saccharomyces boulardii and Lactobacillus rhamnosus, and they're often known as SB and LGG, because these two seem to be the more well-researched strains um, that is on the market today. Absolutely. Uh, Saccharomyces boulardii has been the subject of more than 530 published studies, as, as I recall, and Lactobacillus rhamnosus has been subject to 650-odd scientific studies. Now, that makes them well-researched, but they're especially important strains for helping um, manage some of the more common uh, disorders of the digestive tract these days because we travel so much, traveller's diarrhoea, and also childhood diarrheic symptoms, you know, tummy upsets and, and, uh, and uh, situations where an immature gut, like you see in children, um, where their immune system is still dealing with the environmental influences of normal life, you, you see that these two strains are able to help um, regulate the healthy uh, environment of the gut and promote healthy bacterial growth to support normal, healthy gut function. And they more quickly overcome the, the diarrheal symptoms. In fact, helping reduce both adult and childhood risk of developing diarrhea is what these two strains are best renowned for. From the research, we found it really is about reducing risk of. This is why we would recommend them for people to take when they're uh, before they travel and while they're traveling, and then for children at the first signs of any tummy upset. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know just personally, you know, probiotics as a rule are the one of the go-to's in our family. Yeah. Um, uh, just because, again, I feel like you really notice a big difference. Uh, just as a as a parent of children, yeah. you definitely see um, your, your kids are just more robust. Yeah, I think it's, it's probably the best way to they're say. Able it. To- you know, fight things off quicker. Yeah. They have a, a fundamentally, they have a more robust, like you said, more robust uh, health. So, on kids, I think this is again a lot of our listeners um, are parents or aunties and uncles and grandparents and the rest of it. So, I think gut health just affects all generations yeah, totally. these days. Um, 
But again, this might seem selfish as a father of three, but I would love to ask you a couple of questions just on children's health. Um, For parents looking to choose a probiotic for their child, um, we've mentioned uh, SB and LGG. Are they the strains that that people should be looking for when when they're shopping? I think when the kid, ha- uh, the child has a tendency to tummy upset and to gastrointestinal um, symptoms, particularly diarrheal symptoms, this is the key. If the child has a tendency to loose stools and tummy upset, then I would be going with uh, the SB and the LGG. Yeah. That's the place to start. But of course, once the child has normalised and they seem healthy and their gut is performing properly and there's no symptoms, we might go to a high strength, you know, like 60 billion yeah. um, CFU or, yeah. or colony forming units, they're called, of this broad spectrum, say 14 uh, probiotic strains in a good earlier. balance, yes. which we mentioned earlier. So that yeah. might be the second stage of treatment, do you see? Yeah. I think that's important um, is that it's, it's not necessarily always just for when there's a heightened symptom. No. It's actually part of just an ongoing. Yeah. Uh, the health decision that you make exactly um, for your children and, and it's maintenance you know it's maintenance of good health and well-being and it's maintenance of functional wellness too we've talked a bit about functional in dyspepsia and i'm sure you're with your work well and truly connected to people who are involved in supporting functional wellness we want to be functioning well we don't just want to be symptom free anymore yeah. do we absolutely absolutely all right so that's wonderful and anything else just for um i suppose infants um because that's another one you know breastfeeding challenges or the strains for parents to look out for for particularly young children is it the same or do they no i think they differ <clears throat> i think they differ and particularly when when you're wanting to rebuild the digestive microflora all right, it's being knocked out, let's say, mm. by medication that sometimes is absolutely necessary, mm. you know. And, and as a result, you want to restart the, the, the colonies that have been uh, affected by the medication. You'd probably look for more of the bifidobacteria there, and especially in young kids or, or, or newborns or infants that are just acclimatising mm. their environment, just accommodating their environment. The strains I tend to go for are like the bifidobacterium longum, Bifidobacteria brevum mm. and uh, breve, and then Bifidobacterium infantis. Yeah. So the infantis has uh, typically been found in the gut of infants, yeah. healthy infants, and so this strain is now available for us in a in a supplemental form. And people go, mothers, fathers, you know, can mix it um, with a bit of formula with yeah. breast milk, can put it on the nipple, can yeah. just wipe it on the inside of the mouth, and you're inoculating the child in a way that supports the development of healthy digestion from the ground up. The bugs is really where it starts. Good healthy bugs is where the the story begins. And once you develop symptoms, you need to correct for those. And that's why different strains can be applied symptoms specifically or herbal medicine can be applied in a functional supportive way to correct the symptoms, but also work with the organ systems to get them re synchronized, reharmonized, uh, so the probiotics can do their work. I've really enjoyed that it's felt, even though we're talking to the masses, I really feel just personally that, you know, I've learned a lot about my own personal health. And I think that's the wonderful thing for our listeners. They can go, you know what, I know exactly what to do now. I know that all probiotics aren't the same. I know the strains to look out for, for infants versus young children versus adults versus different symptoms and the rest. Um, 
can't thank you enough. Just before we finish, I just want to I just want to clarify so that I make sure this is 100%. Um, I know there's parents going, my child's young. How do I um, administer? You did mention that you know you don't kids don't have to take capsules. It lies in no. young babies. They can no. actually pop it on the nipple, pop it in the breast milk, pop it in the formula. Um, there are pop multiple it onto their ways. Yogurt, pop yogurt. it onto food. Yep. I know yeah. that's what we do with our kids. It's yeah. uh, and they they pull me up if I don't pop it on. They're like, Dad, it's a probiotics. <laughs> Paul, one last question. Yeah. Whenever you look around the health world these days, there are millions of options at various prices. Yeah. And you, you know, someone that's been around the game for, I think, a long time, and you even longer, I still feel these days, my mum says, buy cheap, buy twice. Yeah. Now, I feel like that's happened in the wellness world where yes. people think they're getting something, yeah. but they've gone for the cheap price and they haven't been able to get the results that they wanted. So what's your view as someone that's been in the industry for a long time yeah. on the read on quality? I think you've, you've got to look for a product and a, and a brand that's dedicated to quality. If it's tested for purity and potency, it, it's, it's a given. The TGA mandates it. If it's tested for purity and potency, look for that on your label. 100%. I just can't thank you enough for providing clarity because, as I say, and, and people, please listen to Paul. He spent so many years in this industry. If you're buying products that haven't been tested, then you're buying products that are substandard. So please take the insights, take the advice from one of the doyens of the industry. Paul Keo, thanks, thanks again for joining us. It's a real pleasure. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Go Vita Podcast. We truly hope you have enjoyed the episode. The best way to share it is to show your friends how to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to this podcast in your podcast app. But again, show your friends how to uh, listen to the podcast. Take them to thewellnesscouch.com or to govita.com.au. And when you're at the Go Vita website, check out the latest Go magazine, Go Vita's quarterly mag with recipes, tips, special offers, and more. And remember, when next you're doing your shopping, make sure you do so in one of the 150 GoVita stores around Australia because at GoVita, your vitality is our passion. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.